The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 462 of The Riverfront. This is the world's most dangerous podcast where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Jared Burton. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, Nate. How are you, Nate? Chad, I am lovely. It's a beautiful day. There's a Cincinnati team in the playoffs. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive indeed. Nate, uh, we're recording a different time this week. We probably should address this right off the top. Um, this is the second podcast we've recorded uh, this week. And uh, technical difficulties, I guess you could say. And so, sorry about that. I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Nate, but uh, it was frustrating. It was a, a comedy of errors that weren't wasn't so funny at the time. But, hey, we're here now. we got to bring it to the people. we got to hit them straight. Baseball's hot in the streets. Okay, baseball is lukewarm at best in the streets and the people need us <laughs> the people need us all right let's begin with what is not the topic of the week you've read the title of the show and it's not the topic of the week but we do have to address it if only to laugh at the clown show that is phil castellini uh, if you're watching on youtube uh, we're just going to show you a, a brief uh, photo of phil castellini <laughs> get in loser we're cutting payroll um <laughs> phil castellini you know um we're not going to spend too much time on this, but of course, no. after what happened this time last year, he's a source of great, uh, great dismay. And if you want to be upset about Phil Castellini, go go ahead, be upset about him. Uh, yes, he's driving your favorite franchise into the ditch. <coughs> Excuse me, but I just think it's funny. I just think it's hilarious how he just is so clueless. Like people have said, you know, he's born on third base and and thought he hit a triple. I mean, just hilarious. Let's just let, let me get into it very quickly. So, first of all, he was at the Rosie Reds, like a a uh, you know a luncheon, basically the, the Rosie Reds had. And m- many of you are familiar with the Rosie Reds. They were uh, formed in 1964, so they've been around a long time. Originally, it was a, a women's only group, not anymore. But uh, the name Rosie is an acronym for rooters organized to stimulate interest and enthusiasm in the Reds. So right off the top, we have the most hardcore Reds fans you're ever going to find. When this organization, Rosie Reds, was was formed, it was because they were trying to uh, lobby Reds owner Bill DeWitt back in 64 uh, to keep the team in Cincinnati. There were rumors that the team might be moving to San Diego. So, Nate, I'm going to ask you what (laughs) – what do you think about Castellini's starting his remarks by this? The chief operating officer of the Cincinnati Reds, this kind of legendary fan group, been around forever. He starts his remark by, remarks by saying that uh, he only just learned that Rosie was an acronym and, and asked <laughs> if, if anyone else in the uh, audience knew that. 
And if you go listen to the audio, it's hilarious because because there's a bunch of groans, but one person says, "Here we go," or "Here we go again," <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it was it's it, it's hilarious. Um, did, did you laugh as much as I did? You know, whenever uh, we have a podcast, we send out a notes document. What are we going to talk about? What are some thoughts? And I, I take a few minutes to prepare. Like, what are, what do I feel about these topics? Um, we have a guest. I typically do some research, some background work into that guest to see, uh, you know, just make sure that we're on equal footing and I'm not going to humiliate myself. I don't think Phil took the time to look into the rosy reds at all. <laughs> um, and it is, it is funny. It was, it was particularly funny last year, you know, it was kind of perfect timing. We had the billboard, he had his comments, um, you know, just, a, the the roster blow up and all the tomfoolery, it was funny. Now it's almost sad. Like I'm starting to, I will certainly not feel bad for Phil, but those kind of, I don't know, just ridiculousness in front of the most hardcore and devoted and loyal members of, you know, the Reds fan base is it's, it's, it's sad, it's dumb. And I don't want to give the guy too much or any more press than he's already gotten. Well, that's true. Uh, although I was afraid at one point that he wasn't going to get going to get any press out of this. Of course, um, you can go look at the tweets, and that's how there were people in the room who were were tweeting it and pictures and videos, and that's how the story got out. Um, <laughs> just Phil just being so clueless, um, and I was actually preparing to to write a, a newsletter about how no one is covering this. None of the print media that depends on the Reds for access are covering this. And so I do have to give a, a, a brief kudos to uh, Trent Rosecrans, who did actually write about it for The Athletic. So if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can go see uh, all the comments, all the videos, and uh, the discussion about it. And the Reds' uh, Senior Vice President of Business Operations, uh, Karen Forgas, who I have met and who is a d- delightful woman um, and very good at her job, uh, she declined to comment. So anyway, um, he started his remarks by saying, uh, <laughs> does anybody else know that Rosie is an acronym? And then he has, launches into this PowerPoint presentation. And this is like high school sophomore stuff. He launches into this PowerPoint presentation, tries to convince everyone in the room that the team operates as a nonprofit. The team operates as a nonprofit. And I know what he was trying to say, but everybody's like, are you, are you, are you serious here? And um, the um, PowerPoint presentation you need to go look at uh, Dan Zimborski, who writes for Fangraphs. He'd be basically a big takedown of the PowerPoint presentation because it was just, it was made up facts. It was, you know, he, he picked and chose which statistics to add into these bar graphs that he did. And it was just so dishonest. And it, essentially though, the ultimate goal of the PowerPoint presentation was to persuade everyone in the room that the Reds can't compete. They're just baseball is, is rigged against the Reds and we can never compete. Why are you saying this to your <laughs> Most hardcore fans, but uh, what about that PowerPoint? Wasn't it amazing? It was ridiculous. Um, I don't I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. He certainly – it didn't come across the way he wanted it to, but I don't know what he was trying to do, just signaling to the fan base, don't bother showing up because we're out of it before opening day. Don't get in, losers. We're still cutting payroll. <laughs> um, Dan Zimborski calling him out was great. Uh, Ken Rosenthal calling the Castellinis less than intelligent was <laughs> noteworthy on his podcast over at The Athletic. Uh, I, I got to acknowledge this. I really dislike what it says to the fans and what it says to potential free agents 
And, you know, I don't know if we're going to talk about the Raiders caravan later, but there's a suspicious lack of names on that caravan. And I wonder if things like this are why guys like Joey Votto and other, you know, particularly people, you know, former Reds players that really, really care about the franchise are declining to attend these things. So I don't know. Phil is a joke. He's a joke (laughs) and he's going to continue to be. And I hope they just chain him up and do not let him out in public for the rest of the season. Uh, Well, that they should do that. And that's what they did last year. Um, I guess he thought it was safe to poke his head back out into the, into the sunlight again, but uh, yeah, you know, again, if this, if, if it makes you angry the way that the Reds are, you, that's a perfectly rational response, but we are going to use every opportunity we can to just kind of laugh at Phil because he's, he's, he is, he's a, he's a punchline. He's a joke. You know, I, the whole thing smacks of this guy who really thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, mm-hmm. re- really thinks he was misunderstood on opening day last year. People just don't get what I was trying to say. And so this year he was going to bring the receipts. He was going to show the facts. You know, he was going to convince us that, <laughs> that what he was saying was uh, was accurate. And it just, I don't know. I think the only response is to laugh at him and perhaps go join the Rosy Reds. I'm, I'm considering doing that myself, uh, just so I can get into the luncheon next year. The thing that cracked me up the most was, uh, I think it was the guys over at Locked on Reds that said this. They put out some feelers to some contacts they have, some people that work directly underneath Phil. And they're like, "How? who lets this happen? Who allows this to occur? Like there has to be somebody saying, okay, this is fine, Phil, go do this, or absolutely not, you can't go do this, this is a disaster. And apparently the answer to that question is Phil Castellini. He's the one who gets the final sign-off on whether or not dumb crap like this gets done. So good job, Phil, you did it, bud. <laughs> Great work. All right, we have a few uh, viewer mail questions uh, about uh, Phil, so we might as well get into them, and then we'll pass this one by for the day. First comes from, uh, first of all, all of these Questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront sensi, our Patreon family, where you can support uh, the show. Jerry Saduff, is Phil Castellini's chronic case of foot and mouth disease really just a clumsy way to try to undersell and overdeliver on the team's performance? No one can be this obtuse, right? How have I uh, never heard of somebody say <laughs> chronic case of foot and mouth disease? <laughs> That's what he has. Uh, yes, someone can be this obtuse. Mm-hmm. He he is this obtuse. That's the only answer. He just he has yes. no, no self awareness whatsoever. There's he's not playing eight D chess here, trying to figure out how to sell the team and get the b- b- biggest uh, you know return on it. There was some hope, and we've talked about that. That maybe that's what the Reds were doing with, with uh, you know reducing their assets so that they could make the team more attractive to sell. I just can't believe any Castellini is playing any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of game here. It's they're just, they're just, Phil's just a moron. Bring back bearded Phil. I trust the <laughs> bearded Phil more than this clean shaven schmuck. I've, I've never seen bearded Phil, but I do feel like I would trust him more. Next question from, from Joe Farsing. Joe asks, can you talk about Phil Hartman instead? No, that's a great, that's a that's a great idea. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from inane comments like I like Jeff Treadway and I'm president of the Cincinnati chapter of the Jake Wong fan club. Phil Hartman, of course, doing the voice of Troy McClure on uh, The Simpsons, but also Saturday Night Live. Uh just gone too soon. Amazing, amazing act. We're gonna spend an hour sometime just talking about Phil Hartman, like we occasionally spend an hour talking about match game with Gene Rayburn. Um, Nate, 
Phil Hartman on the funniest sitcom that ever, ever lived, that was ever created. What was that sitcom that Phil Hartman was on? The funniest one ever. I feel like I have to give the same answer I gave when we originally recorded this and say, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we've done this before, haven't we? Um, You let let everybody peek behind the curtain there, Nate. Um, (laughs) I have no idea. What could this be? (laughs) (laughs) News Radio, mid-90s sitcom News Radio featuring Phil Hartman as Bill McNeil and uh, his, his... uh, it's a radio station, and he did the real deal with Bill McNeil. That's my that's my singing on the on the show there. So anyway, great uh, great show. Go watch it. I guess I don't know. It's probably streaming somewhere. Joey Gaditza. I didn't think it was possible that someone else could be worse at talking than Nick Crawl. Turns out it's true, and both from the same organization. Our band, Joey, of course, is a bassist in a band. Um, our band has a song called "Worst Case Scenario." Phil has to be this, correct? The worst case scenario. That fits right in with our topic of the week. But mm-hmm. uh, my my suggestion is Phil or, or Joey, change the name of that song to Phil C. Just Phil C. It'll, you'll be the only one that knows really what it means. But uh, you can still talk about worst case scenario. I love it. I like these yes or no viewer mail questions. It makes it a lot easier. It does, as yes. a matter of fact. <laughs> I do think that Phil has made me sort of flip the script on my opinion of Nick Crawl. I mean, how difficult must his job be when having to deal with this buffoonery every day? You got to imagine he has his door locked, or you know, at least <laughs> office door shut, and then once a day, Phil just busts in. He's like, "Nick, I got an idea. Let's go!" And he busts out his coloring pad and shows him this this idea he had. With his yeah, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like the way you know uh, they look, people look at Mike, Michael Scott around the office. You know, just this is this is a guy that I'm reporting to. I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, so yeah, Nick Crawl, uh, yeah, bless his heart, as we as we would say back in the <laughs> mountains. Um, he, who knows what uh, he has to deal with on a daily basis, and we should have more sympathy. All right, there were some news of the week, some transactions, some things we can talk about, and so let's jump into those quickly. Nothing uh, earth-shattering, but things we at least should mention first. The uh, the red, the baseball prospectus um, top 101 prospects list was released, and um, the Reds had five players in the top 100 uh, prospects. Number five overall, Ellie De La Cruz. That's pretty good. Number five overall in baseball, Noel V. Marte, number 29 in baseball. Cam Collier, who the Reds picked uh, last year in the first round, uh, number 49. And then uh, the last two are Edwin Arroyo, and um, he was at 61, and then Connor Phillips at 96. Both Arroyo and Phillips mm. came over from uh, in the Seattle trade. So actually three of those five came over from Seattle uh, in those trades. So, uh, so Yahoo! And four of the five were acquired – within the last 12 months. So to your point about Nick crawl, that's, that's a haul. That's quite the haul. I think I saw that the Reds had the third most players in the top 100. So you like that. We're not much of a prospect podcast here, but there are legitimate reasons to be excited about these guys. A lot of young talent, a lot of hitters, a a lot of guys that just mash. And I think we can all get behind that. So get them up to the big leagues so I can care. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this this week again, the Reds uh, signed one of the top international prospects. It generally, evidently, uh, you know, they rank these international prospects, and he was between third or seventh uh, most uh, um, uh, highly rated prospects. Uh, uh, some scouts think he's even the best international prospect this year. It's Alfredo Duno, a catcher from Venezuela, who I've known very little about, except that he supposedly, uh, his name sounds a little bit like uh, Adam Dunn, as Nate pointed out on, on the Twitters. Yeah. And he supposedly has five tools, which if you're a catcher, that means you can you can run. So um, similarly, hurrying it to the big league so that we can uh, be excited about you, Alfredo Duno. Am I right? Well, that similarity to Adam Dunn makes me think, does he already have a built-in nickname? El Bur- Burro Grande. I <laughs> love it. I think I think we have to have that. Um, he's definitely not due to make an appearance in Dayton. I saw until like 2025. So let's let's settle down a bit. <laughs> but you know, it's it's good to point out that both Ellie De La Cruz and Noel Marte, top two prospects, were found in the international draft. So glad that the team is using this to stock up that farm system and hope he is as big of a prospect as those guys. Yeah, just a teenager, so it's going to be a while if if ever. The Reds also signed a number of other prospects. I think twelve others uh, internationally. Uh, five were, or six were from the Dominican Republic. Uh, four, four from others from Venice. Four, including Duno from Venezuela. Um, one from Colombia. One from Haiti. Um, no, two from Colombia. You know, math is hard. Two from Columbia, one from Haiti. And Yeltsin Boutin from Haiti. My new favorite player because that's going to be fun to pronounce if I haven't butchered it too bad. And also, how many? I don't remember the Reds ever having a player from Haiti. So They also signed a guy yesterday, I think, from like Switzerland. A random Switzerland. So, so that's fun. If we're going to be <laughs> sure. bad, let's, let's be fun. So bring him up. International flavor. Let's get, try to get, you know, some every player on the roster has to be from a different country. Why not, why not do that? Very inclusive anyway. at the riverfront. Exactly, exactly. So, um, also this week uh, on the on the big league level, Ooh. Red signed some guys, uh, avoided arbitration with some guys. And so let's talk about a few of those quickly. Nick Senzel avoided arbitration. The Reds uh, agreed to a deal for $2.2 million for Nick Senzel. Um not much to say about that, except that he was always coming back because the Reds don't have outfielders. And once again, for the fourth consecutive year, this is the make or break year for Nixon Zell. I got to say a uh, big shout outs to Nixon Zell and his representation. I mean, parlaying a negative wind above replacement of season into a $700,000 or whatever raise is just good business on their end. So put that in your portfolio, fella. Exactly. He was actually projected to get a little bit more. Um, uh, Alan, actually, actually, he agreed to a deal for $1.95. 1950000 I misspoke. His projection was $2.2 million, So he actually came in under that projection. Pitcher Justin Dunn signed a, a deal avoiding arbitration for $900,000. Justin Dunn, of course, my favorite player because his little brother plays basketball for the University of Virginia Cavaliers. And Ryan Dunn played a big role in a victory over Virginia Tech this week, so, you know, good, I guess. Also, uh, Luis Sessa, $2.65 million. Lucas Sims, $1.26 million. TJ Antone, 770000 
and our our latter day Kyle Farmer, Kevin Newman is going to get two million six hundred and sixty two thousand for the upcoming season. So um, nothing there other than looks like uh, Luis Sessa is back and will probably do you think have the inside track on the fifth starters job? Is that what we're expecting going into spring? Yeah, I think we have to be expecting that. I don't know who else is going to get it. There's not many options out there. I do want to note that with all the negative negativity surrounding the team lately, it's nice that they avoided arbitration with all these folks. Those negotiations can get pretty tense when the teams just say, here's why we don't think you're worth money. So I know the Reds used to make a policy of trying to do that every year. It's good to see them getting back on that train. Yeah, it's something. It's something. No doubt. Um, you talk about who who might be the other uh, – person in the mix for number five starter the Reds also signed Luke Weaver this week Luke Weaver who uh has you know pitched for uh Arizona pitched for uh, briefly for Kansas City last year and pitched for the hated St. Louis Cardinals um I think he's probably a reliever a lot of people he's, he's he has started 81 games I believe uh in his career but uh I don't know uh, uneven success and um looks more like a reliever but Again, maybe he's something. I know you have a hot take about Luke Weaver, Nate. Well, you, the, the big news here is that uh, to make room for Mr. Weaver, Matt Reynolds got DFA'd. Though, uh, because we're recording this a couple days late, he did agree to his assignment and will be getting a hefty dose of Matt Reynolds this season. Um, classic Reds move, low-cost flyer on a guy who just, just maybe could be valuable as, I don't know, rotation depth or a bullpen guy. You know, welcome to Cincy. We're rooting for you. But if you think this guy is the answer to the lack of a veteran presence at the uh, end of the rotation, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, the Cincinnati Project, <clears throat> excuse me, the Cincinnati Project is obviously, let's uh, low-cost guys take a flyer on them. Maybe they can rebuild some value. Or let's sign guys to minor league deals with invitations to spring training. In that vein, sorry, I'm having I'm having troubles here, Nate. Troubles, we're we're having the troubles. The Red signed shortstop Richie Martin, Woo. and left-handed reliever Alex Young to minor league deals with invitations to spring training. Richie Martin, 28 year old infielder. Richie Martin, uh, in 2019, he made his big league debut with the Orioles, played 120 games, and played really really poorly. Did not play in the big leagues in 2020, but he did in 2021. 37 games with the Orioles where he played really poorly. And then last year, only 13 games with Baltimore, but in those 13 games, he played really poorly. Uh, last year in AAA for Norfolk, um, he uh, played pretty poorly, although his on-base percentage was 341. So Richie Martin, 28-year-old infielder, welcome to the big leagues you, with your invitation to spring training. Hopefully you play very well and have figured something out and make it onto the roster just because I don't know why. I'm, I'm happy for you. I like the name Richie Martin. Signed with loads of fanfare to sit on the aforementioned throne of Matt Reynolds. <laughs> exactly. Alex Young, a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Left-handed reliever, you know, had, a, had really good numbers last year, uh, although only in 26 and two-thirds innings. But what, uh, what I like about it is that uh, – he didn't allow a home run, and evidently he has uh, become a bit of a ground ball guy. And so, um, although his ground ball rate last year was was um, 
uh, better than I guess uh, it's ever been. So hopefully he's he's figured something out and that he'll play in uh, in Great American Ballpark. I don't, that 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 to me is an interesting one, just because this looks like a guy that would have a chance to to stick in the in the bullpen. Yeah, for real. I mean, really good last year, small sample size, but still, um, apparently his trajectory completely changed after changing up his repertoire and throwing primarily a slider. And a lot of people were really surprised that he only got a minor league deal. So that seems like a, like a savvy, savvy piece of business by Nick Crawl. Yeah. Yeah. No issues whatsoever with that. Alex Young. Uh, hope to see you. Um, another thing the Reds do, and this is a good thing, but it's not really news. We do it every, every year, but we'll discuss it. The Reds announced that they invited five minor league prospects to big league spring training. Uh, Connor Phillips, who we just talked about a moment ago, is one of the top 100 prospects in baseball. Andrew Abbott, who it's a crime, Andrew Abbott, former pitcher from the University of Virginia Cavaliers, uh, did not make the top 100 list, but he is coming to uh, to camp. Matt McLean, former first-round pick. Christian Encarnacion Strand, who Nate is uh, obsessed with. And Alex McGarry, all uh, coming to big league camp. So that is what it is. I'm sort of interested in this Alex McCary McCary cat like very very quietly kind of raked last year um undrafted out of was it Oklahoma or Oregon State which is a good baseball school I don't know like there these guys are probably going to get him between him and CES an opportunity if Joey Votto is not ready to start at the beginning of the season so keep an eye on the uh you know the big strong guys to hit balls real far I like that there we go yeah no McGarry did sort of come out of nowhere and and yeah, we say undrafted, but he it was that was twenty twenty when they only had five rounds in the draft. So, um, but but you don't know what you're sure. getting from those guys. Sometimes you know, I, the only thing I like about the, the draft, I don't I, I don't pay attention to the draft. I, those guys are in the future. But what I do like about it is you get some sense of what people think about him by where they're taken. Twenty twenty, you can't tell, and uh, and he does, he mashes, and so I would love to see him uh, perform well against the big leaguers. Nate, it's time for the topic of the week. Are you ready for the topic of the week? I've never wanted anything more. What is the best case? I've wanted so many things more than this topic. (laughs) (laughs) What what is the best case scenario for the 2023 Cincinnati Reds? Now, this was something that uh, we we were probably going to talk about. Well, definitely we're going to talk about um, at some point before the season began. But this week at the Athletic, again, um, Eno Saris helped uh, Trent Rosecrans do a, a kind of a deep dive into the projections for the rest. We all talk about how bad they're going to be, and we've had the, some version of the conversation how many times on this podcast already. Are they going to lose 100 games? They're not going to lose 100 games. They're not going to lose 100 games. But um, it, it's, it's, we need to look at the flip side of that, okay? We need to – not just for a dose of optimism, because this is, this is hopeless optimism we're going to say, but what is the best case scenario? What, what could they do? What's – if not realistic, what is possible, <laughs> you know? And um, I think the way that um, Saris put it was, um, how good can the Reds be while remaining rooted in reality? <laughs> and so he used those uh, Zips projections. That we, and we, we've mentioned Dan Zimborski too often here on, on the show lately. But uh, he does his projections every year over at Fangraphs and his kind of proprietary uh, model. And he had all these projections. And then we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when they came out. And they were interesting to me, some of those, because I looked at those 80th percentile projections. That's, you know, they have a, here's the projection. 
the 20th percentile projection and the 80th percentile projection. So what, you know, those are outliers that are still possible, I guess, uh, on the projections. And so Saris basically took the 80th percentile projections and um, said, what if everybody plays to that projection? And really some interesting, uh, you know, Spencer Steer, I noticed that when I was looking at those zips, looks like a star. Will Myers looks really good. Um, you know, uh, some not so good. Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, Nick Lodolo all come out looking pretty good. And if everybody were to live up to their 80th percentile projection on, on the zips, the Reds will win 95 games. Nate, would you take 95 wins this year? I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I want to know how many times the Reds have won 95 games in my lifetime. Oh, no. Uh, we, not, we price it for, not many. Not many. Not many. A handful. Uh, so, yeah. So, I guess what you're saying is you would take 95 games. That's a oh, way of answering my question. Okay. Uh, when I ask you a question, can you answer the question directly, please? This is getting out of hand here. This is a baseball podcast. I'll throw you curveballs <laughs> as often as I want to. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. You win this round. So anyway, the the um, you can't just take as as Sarah, and again, we're not going to dive too deep into the actual numbers and what it looks like because uh, you need to go read the, the piece if you are, have access to the athletic, but because it's really a deep dive. Ultimately, you know, you can't just take just those raw numbers because number one, uh, you have to adjust for who's going to get playing time. You know. Um, they all can't get the playing time that they might be projected for. You have to, the bullpen, if the bullpen that they project, that Zips projects, all does that well, you have one of the best bullpens in the history of baseball. That's not going not to, I hope it happens. Probably not going to happen. So they did a little work adjusting to, uh, you know, uh, expectations uh, and adjusting to playing time. And they actually came out with um, the Reds, um, an 80, 85 and 77, that's the Zips 80th percentile win record, 85 and 77. Although, you know, Saris came out with a top-end 87 win projection. So we're talking somewhere between 85 and 87 wins is the best-case scenario. There's only one thing I think uh, there, Nate, that I'll say if you don't, but uh, 85 to 87 wins. The, uh, let me just say it, the National League pennant winner last year, Won 87 regular season games. You heard it here first. The Cincinnati Reds are going to win the National League pennant this year. You know, I would like to go back and see how many times in my lifetime the Reds have won 85 to 87 games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I would no. take it. Um, yeah. A couple of takeaways that I had from the article. First was Eno's very first line, which was amazing. Figuring out how good the Reds could be while remaining rooted in reality is a tough but not impossible task. <laughs> Exactly. Eno's a great character too. Recommend, uh, you know, he's a good follow on Twitter. Really good analytics on a lot of things. Um, the Spencer Steer piece for me was the most interesting. It seems like a lot of people are super high on him, higher than I am for sure. Um, you know, I've got a little Spencer Steer stock, but if he becomes an above average big leaguer, then that could really change the outlook of this team. He's one of those super utility type of guys that could be really valuable if he's really good at that role. But they're claiming him but, to be the best player on the team. Yeah, this year. No, no, we're not projecting yeah. out. This year. Yeah, that's kind of wild to me. Um, I think they are severely underrating Tyler Stevenson. That one blows my mind. Um, I think he has, you know, top three catcher in the game. 
potential um, for this next season. And I don't understand why he's rated as low as he is. Obviously, there's a Joey Votto piece. I think some of that tied into, you know, them injury concerns with him. But the other one was definitely the um, the starting rotation. I think they mentioned this in the article that they're a little bit low on those guys because they're basing their projections on a lower innings pitch total. So forget those guys are all getting around 160 to 180 innings. Those guys being Green, Lodolo, and Ashcraft, then their projections could be a lot higher. Yeah, the projections look good, but f- – for limited playing time. And so, yeah, if you, if, if you expand that out and hopefully they will get, they, they're in, I don't even know if any of them will have an innings limit this year. So hopefully they'll, uh, and if they do, it'll be raised over last year. Yeah. You know, the Stevenson thing was interesting, I guess. And maybe it's uh, you know, the computer says he keeps getting hurt, you know, show me that you're going to be healthy. Um, but yeah, he could easily, it looks like to me outperform uh, that expectation. <laughs> I don't you know. Last, go ahead. No, go ahead. So last year, at least according to baseball reference, uh, the Reds were dead last in the National League in uh, wins above replacement at the catcher position, second base, shortstop, and center field. And they were second worst at first base in DH. So I don't know how that ties into uh, expected performance, but I think this team could be you know, somewhere a lot closer to that 85-win range than a, you know a 100-loss team. Maybe I'm just... It's early in the day. I want to bring a <laughs> dose of optimism to get, you know, get started here. But I'm getting pumped. Well, what I like about this piece, and what I like about looking at this team through that optimistic lens, it's kind of what uh, you know uh, we, we've said over the years on this show. Sometimes you just kind of got to squint a little, you know, to to find out what's what's good. And this piece, you know, I like looking at what positive, optimistic projections could be for these guys. I want every single one of these guys to uh, perform at their best. And and what this does is tell us, if they do that, the Reds are not going to be a super team, but they're going to be a pretty good team. And then, you know, listen, I'm at the point where I will take 85 to 87 wins every single year. Just tell me you're not going to go below 85 and you're not going to go above 87. I would actually sign up for that tomorrow because you're going to get in the playoffs sometimes and maybe you got a shot and – even more so, you're gonna. The season's gonna be fun to watch. I can't stress enough how much I just want a team that's competitive all season long. You know, a couple of years ago when they were com- literally competitive into September, that's fun. I like watching Reds baseball, and when they're out of it by the end of April, it's not fun. So I would take 85 wins. It, I, that sounds crazy to say, but I, given what we had dumped on us, and this is where I am in my uh, my life as a fan of the Cincinnati Reds is just. Just give me that. And are they going to get that this year? Probably not, but they could. It's not, it's not impossible. And until they don't, I'm just going to keep, you know, squinting and hoping because uh, I really need some good baseball. Um, what, if, what if they won 87 games? Do we, do we have to apologize to Phil Castellini and everyone in the organization for, you know, sm- smacking them around about uh, trading everybody away? I could entertain – apologizing to Nick Crawl for some of the things I may have said or not said, but definitely thought over the last <laughs> year and a half, but I will not apologize to Phil. <laughs> Come on. Why not? Yeah, get in loser. We're making an apology to Phil. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the, o- the only reason to uh, watch the, uh, watch the show on YouTube, literally the only reason, cause you don't need to look at me. You don't definitely don't need to look at me. Nate, Nate's a handsome young man, but 
Nobody needs to see me, uh, but you get to see the picture we just showed on there of, of Phil. It's my favorite Reds-related meme. A couple um, questions. One our, so one of our patrons, Rich Thompson, had a good question that sort of fits into this. You want to jump into that? Yeah, yeah, go, yeah. go. Rich says, if Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo each win at least 12 games and Jonathan India and Joey Votto both hit 260 or better with at least 15 homers and along with 70-ish RBIs, do the Reds finish 500 or better? Um, well, my initial take, probably going to need a little more than that. I think so. And it's, I don't know, there's a couple ways to look at that. I, you know, I, the those those hitting numbers, I think that's probably where we're going to get Indian Votto. If I had to bet somewhere in that neighborhood. I, yeah, that doesn't seem um, out, outside the realm of possibility. The, the reason so, – so I'm like, well, probably not if you're just looking at that. Now, with Hunter Green – and Nick Lodolo, the reason I say, well, maybe you can look at this question and say, okay, yeah, possibly, because if they're getting 12 wins, it means the Reds are winning games. Pitcher wins are, are you know, the pitcher can affect the wins. How they how they pitch does affect their wins, but it's also a lot of things outside of their control to determine whether they win. Um, as you, if you watch the brilliance of Luis Catastestio, <laughs> it's too early in the day. Um if you watch the brilliance of Luis Castillo over the over recent years and then looked at his win totals, you'd be like, oh, this guy stinks. But um, he didn't stink. He just throws his four runs for him. There is defense was bad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So things outside of his control. So, but so if they're each winning at least 12 games, then uh, maybe the Reds are winning some games. So um, I, I, I can't say though, I think if, if all those things happen that you mentioned there, Rich, this is a really good uh, topic of conversation. If all those things happen, I don't think I say the Reds are above five. I think I would bet the under on that still, just knowing that garbage that's uh, surrounding each of those players on the Reds roster. I shouldn't say that. They're all incredibly nice guys, I'm sure. Well, he left out one important note, which is lock it in. Graham Ashcraft, 30-game winner. If Graham Ashcraft wins 30, if Graham Ashcraft wins 20 games this year, I will get Graham Ashcraft uh, uh, a picture of him with those smelling salts tattooed on my chest. <laughs> yes. Right. We've got something to root for all year long, Reds fans. There you go. Another question about the uh, best case scenario list comes from our friend Seth Shaner. Seth says, I had uh, a feeling we weren't done talking about Phil. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. But my question is about the best case scenario feature. Let's say that all that happens and that the Reds are in striking distance at the trade deadline. I love this question. Trent's first inclination to it was that Will Myers would be traded if he did that well. And that's what we said uh, a couple weeks ago about when we were doing our, I guess it was last week, we were doing our power rankings. I had Will Myers really high in my Reds player power rankings for this year um, with the expectation that he's going to be traded at the trade deadline because that's why you acquire Will Myers. It's the Brandon Drury project. So uh, Will Myers be traded if he did that well. But if the team's in contention, would they really ship him off? What a nightmare, says Seth. That's my imitation of Seth saying, what a nightmare. Um, I think the answer here is yes, but I think, yes, they'll still ship him off. It makes no sense to sign Will Myers and not ship him off. If you look at what the Reds have done recently, but, you know, you could have made an argument to keep Brandon Drury around last year. All these guys, you could make an argument to keep around that they, that they ditched at the trade deadline. I don't see them reversing course and not trading him if he does well. Use that to go get another haul if you can. 
I have a caveat that I'll say it, but I want to give you a, ch- a stab at it first, Nate. Yeah, I hope I don't steal your thought here, but um, I could absolutely see if they're in contention, them saying, you know, if, if there's people coming to the ballpark and spending money, I don't think they're going to be buyers, but I could see them being much uh, less motivated sellers and just letting it ride out, even if it's probably not in the best long-term interest of the team. Well, then that's sort of where I was going. It was consistently over the Castellini's reign of terror in Cincinnati, the reign of terror from the vegetable family, um, they reverse course. Day-to-day, we saw it last year with the Mike Miner signing. After all the bad press from the nonsense they did, they went out and panic signed Mike Miner, which was a disastrous uh, signing. And um, I could I could see I, – I, Bob's not really in charge anymore, but I could see Phil waking up and being like, hey, wait a minute. We're doing well. Maybe people will like me if we do well. Forget that PowerPoint. He'll he'll put the PowerPoint presentation in the recycle bin on his computer. He won't actually delete it because he thinks that if you put it in the recycle bin, that that deletes the the file. But he will he'll he'll he'll, he'll drag the icon down into the recycle bin and and decide. Oh, let's just let's just let it let's let it ride here. We're not paying these guys that much. Um, and then Will Myers will walk at the end of the year and go somewhere else. We'll get nothing for him. So there is a chance, I guess, but I don't think so. I think they've been we're we're a year in now. And they've been. So far, they've stuck to this, whatever this plan is. Um, I will note that if they are in contention towards the latter part of the season, I don't care what they do with Will Myers. That'll be really fun. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I wish they would keep Will Myers if he's helping the Reds, but please give me give me that best-case scenario. All right, let's get into the rest of these questions here. Next comes from our friend Hooper Powell. Hooper, first of all, Hooper, you know, he, he – violates a long-standing rule of the show, which is only one question. Now, this is a long-standing rule for which we've never, uh, there are no consequences. We generally read both questions and we don't ban him or anything, but I just wanted to yell at Hooper for a moment. Sorry for the two-part question. Usually I don't do this, but I'm looking to rent a van to drive Phil off a cliff in. Should I go with Enterprise, Hertz, or Avis? My quick answer is obviously Hertz because I rented a uh, car last summer in Ireland and drove it uh, on the wrong side of the road, rented it from Hertz. And when I say I drove it on the wrong side of the road, I mean, I drove it on the side of the road Americans drive it on. They said it was the wrong side of the road for some reason, but, uh, you know, I was driving on the right side of the road. Anyway, um, Nate, I, I'm, I don't know that you have a hot take about rental car companies, but if you do, here's the here's your chance. I get a discount from Hertz, so go with it. There we go. Hooper also says, seeing that Travis Shaw, Washington Courthouse native, also uh, son of former Reds closer, Jeff Shaw, Washington Courthouse native, just retired, and my cousin lives there. Should I have my cousin ask him to be on our beer league softball team? I think a ringer on our beer league softball team, like bringing in Daryl Strawberry to the Simpsons team. Uh, What do you think about that, Nate? I do have a take on this. And if you go to his Wikipedia site, you can see a beautiful fact. And if you ever get the chance to acquire someone for your beer league softball team who's been nicknamed the mayor of Ding Dong City, you take that <laughs> chance. Ten times out of ten. This also gives us options for a previous viewer mail question about who the mascot is, what the team name is. I'm going to lean hard into the Ding Dong City <laughs> mantra, and we're going to oh. rally the city around us. It's great. I love it. I love it. Oh, man. One of our brothers, I think, was briefly known as the mayor of Ding Dong City in high school. I'm not <laughs> sure what that was about. But um, 
Yeah, that's fantastic. But my 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 answer though really is he can join the team. He can be there, and we'll share some of our our beer with him. But unless he joins the the Patreon crowd, uh, that's the price of admission. He's gonna have to, he's gonna toss me a couple bucks a month if he wants to get on this team. I don't care if he is a ringer. All right, uh, Kyle Kapler. Kyle says, "Love the optimism." Uh, and the reason he says that is because I indicated we were going to be talking about best case scenario this week uh, on the show when I sent out the call for questions for the episode on Patreon. Uh, have I mentioned that? It's patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. I think I mentioned that. Love the optimism. Phil and his dad make it difficult to do, but there is a little sunshine peeking through the blinds. My dose of optimism I'm going to bring up is Nick Crawl. Yes, the dude is bad at public speaking. That's your first understatement. Um, but I'm finding it hard to criticize him. Mike Miner aside, the trades, signings, and draft picks he's made with the limitations and orders he was given have been solid so far, and I think things are trending upward. Is it too early to pass judgment yet? Or it is, he says, it is too early to pass judgment yet. Um, am I wrong again, asked Kyle. Kyle, legendary, legendary for being wrong in his questions on this show. So, no, we love, we love you, Kyle. Um, what do you think, Nate? Are we wrong on Nick Crawl? I don't know that we were wrong. I think he's done things in the past that warranted plenty of criticism. I will say that recently that's not been the case in my opinion. I think he is, um, as one might expect, gotten better at his job. And he mentioned those constraints, limitations put on him. They're absolutely real. He has to deal with Phil Castellini every day of his life. Can you imagine having to wake up? And like your your morning dose of gratitude to really get your get your day started on the right foot, and being like, I'm grateful for. Oh shoot, <laughs> I gotta go deal with Phil. No, so I, th- I think he does deserve a lot of praise. I think that um, he's he kind of crushed it over the last year with the mandate that he's been given. Yeah, no, I think there are a couple things here. First of all, um, your statement, Kyle. It's too early to pass judgment yet, in my opinion. Well, I think that's true, and it's probably true about everything. Uh, with with Nick Crawl, we start from this baseline. Nick Crawl would not be a general manager in any other organization right now. He just would not. He got the job in Cincinnati for reasons, okay, that uh, he, he would not have climbed that high in any other organization that quickly. Um, he's, he's not a dumb guy. He's, he's, he's a bright guy. But I think what we have to do with Nick Crawl, as with everything – there's this sense in this world that you pick your position and you have to defend that position to the death, whether it's a political position or something about your team or whatever. Uh, you know, we, one thing that I, I try to lean into here is that we're always going to try to be honest with you. And all the available evidence previously was that Nick crawl was a disaster. He was a complete disaster early on in his tenure. And I think that was based on the, all the evidence we had before us. And so we called it like it was when he, started to show signs last year of uh, doing well. We praised him right here. You know, we didn't let our, our pre-existing thoughts about Nick Crawl um, color our analysis of what Nick Crawl is, has, has done. So, yes, I think that uh, maybe the trajectory is upward. I think there's some positive signs. If you give him the, uh, you know, the, the pass on the public speaking, which he's just, he just does not need to talk. Um, and, Sort of, uh, you you grade him on a curve because, you know, he he has limitations from ownership. Then I think you know you can make a good argument. So so Kyle, you're as usual, you're you're correct here. 
Would you like to have Nick Cross job, Nate? No. Gosh, no. I don't, I don't care how much they're paying him. I just think, yeah, yeah. I I think that they really need to hire me. Um, And first of all, let me say this is a a huge, huge joke because there's no set of circumstances ever that the Cincinnati Reds would actually hire me uh, uh, while the Castellinis, um, our vegetable overlords, are in in, uh, control. But they need to hire someone, and I'm proposing me, just every time that Nick Crawl or Phil has the urge to speak in public, First, just, just run it by me. Let me let me clear it. Or even better, just tell me what you're trying to say and let me go say it. Now it'll sound sound weird in my my dumb accent, but um, I think I can avoid all the 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 nonsense that comes out of those two's mouth. Just tell me what you want to say. I'll help. I'll help help us get that word out. It's. Kind of a kind of similar to uh, you know Bill Simmons years ago when he was writing for ESPN, he had this theory that every organization, every sports team should hire a fan. Just every time before you make a transaction, before you make a trade, a signing, just ask that fan, hey, what's what's this going to look like? <laughs> you know, what's what's the fan base going to think about this? How upset are they going to be about you trading away this guy or that? And I always thought that made a, a lot of sense. A pretty good idea that no one has ever done. I like the reverse of that as well. Talk to somebody from, you know, one of your rival fan bases. You're like, how do you feel about this? And if they like the move you're about to make, <laughs> right. maybe don't make it. Maybe rethink it. Maybe rethink it. Hey, Cardinals fans, what do you think about this? Brandon Kamick asks, will Bruce Springsteen run the club better than Phil? Nate, you're a big, uh, you're a noted Bruce Springsteen fan. Would Bruce Springsteen run the club better than Phil? I could get behind a team slogan of no retreat, baby, no surrender, which is a Bruce Springsteen song that you probably don't know because you hate Bruce Springsteen because you're the worst. Exactly. True on all counts. Completely accurate. Um, I I would be for, first of all, yes. Can you run it better than Phil? Obviously. Yes. I mean, you know, (laughs) you could, you could find some random guy walking down the street and hand it to him. And I don't know, whoever he is, he'll do better, better than Phil. Um, at the very least, he won't feel entitled to, uh, to you know, throw his weight around. But uh, the real uh, thing is, I don't care. I, I'm fine with Bruce Springsteen running it. But he has to mandate that all the broadcasters cannot use the term fastball anymore. They can, And none of the coaches can use the term fastball. They have to call them speedballs. Got to call, call them speedball. James Urban. James Urban asked this question. Are you guys excited to see the Reds win every single game next year and watch Joey Votto finally get that sweet ring he so rightfully deserves? Me too. Let's go Reds, says James Urban. Uh, that's a yes or no question. Are you excited to see the Reds win every single game next year and Joey Votto get that ring? Yeah. Yes. 162-0, and oh, and that's how you get not just a World Series ring, but a tattoo of Graham Ashcraft on Chad Dodson's chest. If they go 162, I'm getting a tattoo of Phil Castellini on my left butt cheek. <laughs> they got to go 162 and 0, though. All right, uh, Andrew. So, so, Andrew much, so much to root for. <laughs> Andrew Marin, what if the Reds picked up a new revenue stream by selling Phil's masterclass in public speaking? Throngs would flock from around the world to learn what to never do when speaking to, well, anyone. This new revenue stream could enable the Reds' payroll to rival that of the Mets. I think it's a great idea. Nate, you know these master classes, right? You've seen these things, right? 
Absolutely. And this is one that I think every, uh, every university, every business program in the country could get behind. Exactly. I think it needs to, when you think bigger though, I think it just needs to be Phil and Nick, let's build it out, make it twice as long, twice as in debt, have Phil and Nick crawl both doing this master class. And uh, it, it would, the Reds would be able to, if we could convince the Castellanes to not operate as a nonprofit and plug that money back into the team, because this is non-baseball revenue, they don't generally like to plug that back into the team. Um, yeah, they could they could have a hundred billion dollar, you know, budget uh, for uh, to acquire players. It'd be fantastic. I want to be a fly on the wall when Nick and Phil are trying to argue over what what to charge for the course. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh man, that all the fun we could have with that. Great question. If, if you don't know what these master classes are, by the way, you know the Steph Curry teaches how to shoot three pointers. You know, Andrew Aaron Sorkin teaches how to write screenplays, things like that. They're, I've never done one of them, but they all looked uh, pretty interesting. It's cool. a good idea. Yeah. Michael Keffer has the final question for us here, and it's something you alluded to earlier, Nate. The Reds' caravan schedule was released, and no players that are on the caravan have over a year of service time in Major League Baseball. What are your thoughts on the reason why no Major League players are participating? My first thought is the Reds have no Major League players with more than a year of service time, do they? At, at <laughs> this point. Well, you, you talked about it a little bit earlier, Nate. I, I, maybe that's the reason. I don't know, but it's if you go look at who's on these, and the caravan I always thought was a great idea. Uh, you know, the Reds need to draw from a larger area. So let's go to them. I thought that's a great idea. This year it looks like an afterthought and that schedule. The players that are on there are a bunch of guys that I hope are good someday, but I don't, I don't have a whole lot of interest in going, you know, the whole idea is so that some, you know, nine-year-old can go get an autograph of, you know, some player that uh, they might become a fan of. And, you know, anyway, it's, I don't know what the reason is, but it's, it's a bad look. Yeah, I wonder if it's kind of what I alluded to earlier where people are just annoyed and they're saying, I'm not going to go have to deal with this BS until, you know, training starts, until games start. Um, the other thing I thought is maybe they don't want anybody that actually has answers to potentially tough questions that get asked. <laughs> oh, like interesting, if, yeah. If one fan's like, how do you feel about Phil's comments? You know, Jonathan India might have something to say about that. Joey Votto asked about, you know, at uh, we didn't mention this earlier at the Rosie Red thing, Phil saying that he is against guaranteed contracts. I bet Joey Votto has an opinion on that statement that he probably doesn't. It would never say out loud, at least in a public forum like that. But right, don't want to risk that. But uh, yeah, and you don't know some of the others. Maybe you know um, Jonathan Indy. You know what's he going to say? You know, he, 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 these these kids with their long hair and the rock and roll music. You, you can't trust them. You just can't trust them. So anyway, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I think the caravan's a good idea. I think Reds Fest is a, a, a great thing uh, for the fan base, but it's, it's tough times if you're trying to market the Cincinnati Reds. All right, uh, Nate, what else do you have going on around the uh, the riverfront? Oh, man, we had a really good time, me and Joe Farfsing, over at the Riverfront Bengals show this week. We uh, did an in-depth preview and recap of you know, the uh, Bengals win last week over the Ravens and their gigantic, massive divisional round game tomorrow. Um, I guess as as this is released Sunday against the Buffalo Bills to uh, have the right to play for the AFC Championship and more. So, yeah, go check that out. We had a really good time. We get a little little crazier, a little wilder than we do here at the uh, the Red Show. So it's a good time. And Joe is doing a great job over there. 
Yeah, no, everyone needs to go subscribe to the Riverfront uh, Bengals show. It's search for it's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Riverfront Cincy, but it's also everywhere you get your podcast, the Riverfront Bengals show is there. And yeah, particularly a fun episode this week because just that wild win last week, you know, the um, the fumble in the jungle. And I, I, I was watching that happen. And I'm like, what am I seeing here? This is not possible. Because they were on the things were things were looking a little bit dire there that particular moment, and then it changed mm-hmm. it. That's that's why that's why again we're not going to get into the Bengals here, and I know you all did a great job diving into it. But to me, that's why you watch sports those moments like that. And I'm I'm happy for uh, everyone that's a fan of the Bengals to get to enjoy that, and hopefully uh, more of them to come. That's right. All right, that has been episode number 462 of the world's most dangerous podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening, supporting the Riverfront. Please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Riverfront Cincy on all those p- platforms. Um, once again, we couldn't do the show without our uh, Patreon family, patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Go there, click the link in the show notes. A couple bucks a month, you can join in our, uh, our, our wacky hijinks. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krinchicki and Eli Cash for Nate Dotson. This is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone.